This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. Today on the Indo Daily, World Cup wobbles. What fresh allegations against Vera Pau means for Ireland's women's football team. It was such a powerful uh, news conference. It was uh, at times a really uncomfortable exchange. You know, a shadow has been cast on the buzz surrounding the Republic of Ireland women's squad and their World Cup journey. This is sensational. History is made in Glasgow tonight as the Irish women claim their first ever finals appearance. And where better to do it than in the biggest tournament of them all, the World Cup. Manager Vera Pau is at the centre of fresh allegations from anonymous former players in a US club where she coached. It's claimed she body shamed players and created a culture of fear. Now, Vera Pau strongly denies all these allegations. We are going to uh, a World Cup. We have done phenomenally with this team and we would have never been able to do that if our bond with each other would have been so strong and so positive. But what next for her and the Irish squad? I can't answer for each and every player. Um, Of course, Vera has a style of of management um, that we're used to now over the, the last two years. And is gender bias rife where women's sports are concerned? And the reason why coaches reach out to me is because we address the manner in which gender, gender bias, implicit bias, causes athletes, a certain percentage of athletes, to report negative behavior of a female coach differently than they would report it if she was a male. I'm Siobhan McGuire, and to hear more, I'm joined by Irish independent journalist John Marr. John, we have fresh allegations against Vera Pau, but will you take me back to where all of these first began? Absolutely. Vera Pau, prior to getting the Ireland job in September 2019, was manager of the Houston Dash women's football team in Texas. And there's a wonderful tradition of women's football in the US. They've been playing at a professional level for many years. So it's a significant job. And she was in that job for just over a year. And last December, a number of players and staff members at that club made damning allegations about Vera Powell's management while she was there. They're unnamed people but they suggested that she effectively was body shaming players, 
that she was a really difficult person to be around, that her methods didn't make sense in some cases. Some players felt utterly humiliated by her style of management, which is quite forthright. And she would say that herself, she's a direct speaker. There was also an allegation that one particular player had a significant eating disorder as a result of the comments allegedly made by Vera Pau during her time there. When they emerged just before Christmas, and this, remember, was a few months after Ireland had qualified for the World Cup for the first time. This is sensational. History is made in Glasgow tonight. So the country's on a high thinking about this achievement. So Vera Pau immediately says, these allegations are not without foundation. I did not body shame anybody. I did not fat shame anybody. I am a direct coach, part of my Dutch heritage. She said, you know, we speak frankly. And sometimes my method of communication doesn't work with people from different countries. So a kind of lost in translation. That was her argument, that her style didn't necessarily work with these young players applying their trade in the US. Some of them from different parts of the world, of course, but a lot of them were American players. And, you know, she was forthright in her dismissal of these allegations. And the Football Association of Ireland pretty much immediately jumped to her defence and said, we believe you, Vera, and nothing to see here. Now, last week, just prior to Ireland's game against France, which they lost 3-0, The Athletic, which is this significant American online publication owned by the New York Times, published a 7,500 word long read about Vera Pau and her time at the Houston Dash. And there were some new allegations, including suggestions that she had physically manhandled some of these players. There's one quote from a player in the story And she says, we were all afraid of her because we had no idea what she was going to do. Day to day, Vera was the worst, most terrible coach I've ever had. Now, it's important to say that other players there have come forward to say they had no issues with her whatsoever. But I suppose what the athletic piece did was drill down on this idea that she was a really difficult person. She had, uh, her management style was abrasive, confrontational. The article also goes in significant detail about allegations of body shaming. Really serious allegations. Really serious allegations and, and, and insistences from Vera Pau that players don't do heavy weightlifting, for instance. And she has concerns about ACL injuries, etc., that can happen, she believes, from heavy weightlifting, which is something that flies in the face of thinking in other countries and other clubs when it comes to women's sport. But again, she has vehemently denied these fresh allegations. At a press conference before the match last week, so last Wednesday of last week, she made a very interesting point, which is, how can you defend yourself against a lie? I mean, it's a really strong sort of line here, because she is saying, this is a lie. She is also saying that there is great safety in the truth while adding that these lies, her word, will dog her for the rest of her life. 
And they're certainly going to cast a shadow on Ireland's participation in the World Cup. And it's the first time we've been in the World Cup in the women's game. That's it, John. There's an awful lot of factors at play here. First of all, you can question the timing of the publication of that article last week. Secondly, you look at what Avira Pau has achieved for women's football in this country. I mean, there is there is a buzz. I mentioned it in my intro. We're getting a bit excited now about this yep. World Cup journey. And then the flip side of that is very serious allegations. We live in an era now where that kind of stuff is not tolerated if it does happen, that fat shaming, etc. Well, let's tackle those. First of all, the timing, because Vera Pau suggested that the timing was done deliberately to damage her. Now, journalistically, it made perfect sense for The Athletic to publish this story now, because everybody's thinking about the Women's World Cup. The men's game has concluded for the season. If this story had appeared during the men's season, particularly around the latter stages of the Champions League, there's a chance it would be buried. Now there's that window of opportunity for a significant story like that. So that's what I would say from a journalistic point of view. It's kind of perfect. I would also agree the timing is terrible. The Ireland captain, Katie McCabe, made that point at the press conference last week. She said, you know, this is a very unfortunate distraction. And she found herself having to defend her manager. You know, she said, we... We've got used to Vera's style of management over the past couple of years, which is an interesting sort of thing to say in itself. We've argued with each other, of course. Like, you're never going to get on 100% with your manager at times. She pushes me and I push her. Um, so, in in my opinion, um, and from my personal relationship with Vera, of course, yeah, we've, we've clashed many a times. Um, but we're always professional enough to, to make sure we are fully focused for the team. You mentioned the excitement about this. There is real excitement, particularly from football fans. This is a wonderful achievement. The the, the men's team are lurching from one crisis to the next. You know, we're effectively can't qualify for the Euros in Germany next year. Two losses for the opening matches and the first half was a struggle against Gibraltar. So it's it's been disastrous from the male side of things. But from the female side of things... Vera Pau has done a great job. She really has. She got the gig about three and a half years ago, coming up to four years, and she almost brought us to the European Championships. We narrowly lost out in that. And then we went to Hampden Park in Glasgow. Amber Barrett of Donegal scored a beautiful goal, 1-0. We qualify for the first time. Amber Barrett in on goal. Amber Barrett makes the breakthrough. That was sheer brilliance from Amber Barrett. The first touch to take her clear was absolutely terrific. And Amber Barrett kneels in celebration in honour of the Donegal folk who passed away in the disaster in Chrysler. What a moment for the Donegal girl. Interestingly, Vera Pau's first job in management was manager of Scotland. She had the job for five or six years. She has an extraordinary CV. Yeah, tell me about it, John. She, she really does. I mean, she is considered uh, a really significant sports star in the Netherlands. I spoke to a sports journalist in The Telegraph, which is the leading newspaper in Amsterdam, and he said that his description of her made me think of Katie Taylor in terms of somebody who was pushing against the patriarchy, who was really trying to create an egalitarian playing field 
for both genders. She was capped 89 times for Holland. She was the first Dutch player to play professionally abroad. She played in, in Italy. She managed the Dutch team and brought them to the point where they were significant contenders. And they actually reached the final of the World Cup the last World Cup in 2019 to be beaten 2-0 by the US. And the US, as I said earlier, it's the primary country in the world for women's football and has been for decades. So, and, and she, she's a cultured manager. She has managed all over the world. She was manager of Russia, of South Africa. She was an advisor for the Thailand national team. And it looks like her contract will be extended by the FAI irrespective of what happens in the World Cup. There's, there's a real sense that she has done something special for Irish women's football. It's also important to remember that as recently as 2017, Irish women's football was in a terrible place. Shocking, John. A shocking place. Ill, Ill-fitting kits, yeah. you know, having to change in toilets, not getting adequate funding in any shape or form from the FEI. There was just no credence to the sport. It was like, ah, women off playing a bit of football. It was not taken seriously. It was absolutely shameful. Uh, it, it really was. And the FAI, who've been through the wars themselves, and rightly so, considering the mismanagement there, had to get serious about women's football. And they certainly changed tack. And it coincided with the appointment of Vera Pau. And everything I've read and heard about her and I wrote a piece for review at the weekend and I spoke to a lot of sports writers and they said that she created a hugely professional environment for women's football at that level, at the, at the, at the very upper levels. Also at the same time, there's significant interest in women's football at a club level in Ireland now. It's, it's getting exposure that it hadn't before and attendances are up. They're significantly up. Having said all of that, all of those matches have been played in the Tallis Stadium. They haven't been played at the Aviva Stadium. And yet, and this is this is something that's really positive, our match against Northern Ireland in September will be played in the Aviva, which is the first time w- the, the women's team have actually been given that right. And it's kind of shameful to think in 2023, this is the first time it's happened. You can apply that particular argument to pretty much any sport. And if you look at, you know, what it took for our female boxers to achieve in order for people to listen to how much funding was going into that particular sport for women, um, the same goes for golf. Well, well, a great example of all this is the current situation with camogie players and the Ladies Getting Football Association. And they're effectively, it's a work to rule. They're seeing out the, the end of the season. But they're... They're upset, and rightly so, about about being second-class citizens when it comes to Gaelic games in this country. And that's a truth. And it's interesting, you've got the, the managers of the male teams from both hurling and football have written a, a joint letter in support of their female counterparts going, you know, something has to change here. Because there have been so many examples of you know, fixtures being uprooted and moved something else to accommodate a men's replay, for instance, right. or where they're, they're, they're made to play on pitches that aren't, that aren't fit for purpose. Yeah. And th- there's so much backslapping going on in this country about, isn't it great all, you know, we're, we're more egalitarian about women's sport and great strides have been made, but there is so much more 
that needs to happen. And enough of the talk, let's just make sure this happens now and let's get behind it. And I think the public really need to get behind these players as well. And particularly when we play that match against Northern Ireland, let's let's get a big crowd into the Aviva Stadium. I do want to bring you back to the issue of last week and Thursday and morale taking that little bit of a dip on foot of mm. what happened on the Wednesday, John. And there are various arguments circulating, not least Vera Powell's lawyer who was on RT Radio last week and making some very strong claims that this is all about gender bias. And my answer to the idea of criticizing a woman for being controlling and coaching is who cares? Why do we care about this claim? Would we ever have an article about the male coach you mentioned, about him being too controlling in his coaching? We never would. Absolutely. And it's something that Vera Powell herself has insisted is the case, that as a woman of a women's team, she is getting a lot of prejudice and from other women. That prejudice is coming, that, which, is, which is really intriguing. When my colleague Dave was researching this podcast, he actually reminded me of Ryan Reynolds, that football club, Wrexham. And there's footage of the coach there and, you know, there's foul language and yeah. it all goes off in the dressing room and there's cameras in there. So we get a little bit of an insight into what can go on. Now, I'm sure it's hammed up for the cameras. Well, we've all heard the stories about Alex Ferguson and other top managers. I don't know if it was hammed up for the cameras, actually. I think a lot of these male managers are are very aggressive and confrontational. I mean, Alex Ferguson was lauded, not just for all the titles that he won, but for what was known as the hairdryer treatment, because he'd get so close into somebody's face, the hot breath from his mouth with that Glaswegian voice screaming how terrible they were. I remember we played against Newcastle and he, he come past me on the coach. It was away at St. James. He slapped me on the head. I'm like a grown man. I'm thinking, what are you doing? And he went, um, Craig Bellamy's been talking about you. He's, he's told a few people that he's going to destroy you today. Are you ready for that? Don't come back on the coach if he's destroyed you. And I went out and... If he destroyed you. He was in, he, <laughs> he was in here somewhere. <laughs> I, I brought him on the bus or not that. No, no, really not. He <laughs> yeah, was, um, yeah. but, no. but little things like that to really get his players going and to stoke players up. And he, he just knew it's how to press buttons. It's great. He threw a boot at David Beckham. We all remember this. He pulled the hair back, the Alice band, to reveal the cut. I shouldn't and, laugh. Yes, I remember. And, and it happens. And, and, you know, Vera Powell made the point about Pep Guardiola, who is considered the best coach in the world at the moment. I mean, this guy has just led Manchester City to a, a treble. And he is a very forthright manager. And, you know, Calvin Phillips, the England player and Manchester City player, Pep Guardiola basically body shamed him when he got back from the World Cup before Christmas, back into the Manchester City setup, Vera Powell used that as an example, saying, here is a coach who is extremely direct and frank, and he is lauded as a genius. My words now, I mean, I'm paraphrasing her, but she's saying, you know, when a female coach, you know, has to be very direct, has to talk about home truths or has to kind of lay down the law or drop a player or whatever they have to do, that they should be also given the same right to do that and that there shouldn't be that distinction because she's a woman. If you're a professional athlete and, you know, you have this amazing level of fitness and this huge ambition and this crazy drive and then you go on to become a national team's coach. Of course, that's going to filter through. But is there not an argument that it can be softened a wee bit, both for men and women? 
There is. There is that argument. And, and, and you'd have some coaches that would have a very softly, softly approach. I mean, Ar- Arsene Wenger of Arsenal, who managed there for the best part of 20 years, uh, certainly outwardly seemed like a sort of a calm, considered figure. He was known as the professor. You know, he he didn't believe in screaming and roaring, and yet there were screaming and roaring matches between him and Alex Ferguson. Uh, it has to be said. It's often you know people talk about the chefing world and you know the Gordon Ramsay screaming and shouting, Good but point, a, yeah. a lot of chefs get to do wonderful work by being monastic and being respectful uh, of other players. There's also a school of thought that says you know encouragement rather than condemnation, can get the best out of people. I mean, Vera Powell would say that she would bring a lot of different attributes to the table and being a tough coach who believes in professionalism is one of them. And I I certainly, I look at a player like Katie McCabe, who to me is a born fighter. I mean, she's a wonderful player. And you kind of think somebody like her will just thrive in an environment where you know, where, where maybe there is some tension. And she alluded to that herself, where she said that she's pushed back uh, to Vera Powell. They've, they've had arguments. She kind of said that, as I think a captain is able to say. Now, a, a, an 18-year-old joining the squad for the first time can't really come out and say that publicly. That was an interesting line from McCabe, who reminds me a little of Roy Keane in terms of just somebody who speaks her mind. And good on her, I say. We're all looking ahead to the World Cup now, as as we mentioned earlier, and we're wishing them all well. But has this kind of cast a shadow that's going to stick? It has cast a shadow, and I think there's no question of it. And there, there have been suggestions in recent times, including from some prominent broadcasters in this country, that the FAI needs to do something. It's not just good enough to say we absolutely support our manager here. What about the players? And the argument is that maybe every member of the squad should be spoken to confidentially and asked, are there legitimate concerns here? Now, the World Cup is only a matter of days away, effectively, and it won't happen before then because, like, with the best will in the world, it is a distraction that the players and the manager and the staff just need to have Australia, our first opponent in mind and that should be their only focus but perhaps at the after the World Cup there might be an argument to be made that the FAI needs to look at this and perhaps that will give the the, their findings may completely exonerate Vera Pau but as she herself said there's always going to be that asterisk there My thanks to John Marr, a journalist in the Irish Independent. And you can read John's long read on all of this from the review section in last weekend's paper. It's available on independent.ie. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by myself, Dave Hanratty, who researched with sound by Niall McMonagall. Archive clips from Sky Sports News, FAI Daily, Virgin Media Sport, RTE Sport, RTE Radio 1, Irish Football Fan TV and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. 